I think the subject is about spiritual relationships, spiritual relationship marriage. of man, marriage. Now, there are three basic attitudes we can take towards life in general because uh, whatever attitude we take in one particular aspect of life has to be derived from something more general, a general truth, a universal principle of nature. One attitude is that this life is all and there is nothing more to it than what meets the eye. In which case, it is useless to speak about spiritual dimension or any other aspect we might as well follow what Umar Khayyam once said, Ah, make the most of what we yet may spend until we too unto the dust descend. So this is one approach. Obviously, however uh, quick and natural and common it may appear to be, it never satisfies because there is a deeper need in man. There is something deeper that seeks for more than what meets the eye. This is man's uh, irony and this is man's path to progress and this is also his tragedy because there is always something short of what we aspire for. And in a way the two are together. This challenge is given to man, not to animals. Animals don't have this thought of something greater than what they already have. The second approach is that there is a beyond. We may use the word spirit, God, divine, doesn't matter. But there is something which is more than what meets the eye. There is a beyond. And the only utility of this earthly life is to prepare for the beyond. In which case, the only, only thing we can do with all the aspects of our life is to adopt a certain attitude. They cannot be fundamentally changed in their nature. But we can adopt a certain attitude with which we have to lead life as a preparation for the transit. So it has its importance. Its importance is very relative. Adopt certain attitudes and we see it very well in the uh, old world paradigms. And when we come to marriage, it's an institution. Why you are married? Don't question this. Your karma, good or bad. <laughs> you are stuck for one life at least, maybe seven lives. Who knows? <laughs> and have a good attitude. The right attitude is, well, whatever it is, that's my destiny, my fate and let me, you know, just uh, do things according to the Shastra. Ultimately, this is not the real thing. Ultimate thing is in the beyond. So, this is how life was carrying on. But again, this is not deeply satisfying. And the modern generation knows it well because there is a deeper aspiration. It's like half-hearted effort. So, there is a third approach, which of course Shurabindo brings in, that life can be divinized. It's possible for life to become perfect, this life here. The aspiration of man for a life which is true, beautiful, perfect, that can be fulfilled. It's possible to fulfill it. Now, you know, these two approaches, we can see very clearly, there is a kind of religious approach in which if you are married once, you cannot change, isn't it? This It's almost regarded as a sin. Sometime back, this is how mankind believed. And even now, there are people who believe that if you are married once, that is the end of your life. You have to take it and go through it. And 
it was believed that marriages are of course made in heaven god knows why god is so interested in making marriages and that's the end of the story don't question just accept it if you are unhappy learn to be happy try to be happy that's it but mankind believes that i mean there is a deeper urge in us that life is not meant only for suffering for pain for enduring for accepting there is there is a there is something greater there should be something more beautiful something more true isn't it there is a need for something more true more enduring more beautiful let's take for example uh coming to now more directly to the topic what should be the basis of a relationship whether it's a man woman relationship marriage or anything else what should be the basis yes respect trust trust love, love. fundamental thing without love there is no relationship it doesn't make sense and what happened in the last 50 100 years see how uh, the problem comes in uh, what has become the basis of marriage as an institution i i don't know some of us may have this experience uh, experience means not necessarily in one's own life but you know in the life of the society we live in that uh, somebody decided for our marriages and what was the basis the boy should be yeah he should be a five figure six figure salaried man if he is an nri so much the better now the demand has gone down for nris because yeah people have discovered <laughs> we have good salary jobs here and at the same time there can be you know there is an exodus uh, various but this was the reason can you imagine this uh, or maybe looks uh, for men the looks were not so important the pay packet was more important what about the girl good looking convent educated nowadays also having a salary very good in cooking everything she has to have all the columns ticked right do we think there is anything sacred about such a such a thing what does our heart say this basis there was no question of love and respect nobody ever asked either of them do you really feel love do you really can respect each other no it was not even taught to us so this degeneration took place because we started with a false premise and the false premise was that this earthly life is only a preparation for the beyond so it doesn't matter or a even bigger false premise that this life is all so if this life is all then we should basically look for the pay packet and the momentary satisfaction and the temporary enjoyment that's the end of the story but if there is something greater and that greater can change this earthly life make it more beautiful make it truer make it nobler then the question comes that if this basis on which the society had built institutions and many institution not just marriage but i am not touching upon them whether it be education school go to sports everywhere you have institution which are built around what is the one thing which is built around either hedonism seeking for pleasure or money all the institutions even unfortunately religious institutions are built around this it's a very sad story political institutions built around it educational institutions money has become a lord so in marriage also it became the lord 
both ways husband should earn money and he should be able to provide for the wife's various vital physical satisfactions emotions were secondary but now humanity has outgrown that stage let's not call it right or wrong it was a stage but now we have outgrown so we seek not just physical vital satisfaction we seek emotional intellectual and even spiritual joy of togetherness this is now it's like in the software of humanity it has been added so we are not happy so the result is the traditional institution of marriages breaking down and many people the old timers will say what has come which age has come of mankind kalyug has come everything that is not to my liking is kalyug blame it on that fellow that nebulous entity god knows what but to those kalyug is the iron age the age when everything is bad evil so people believe that now that the marriage as an institution is going it is bad we had satyug so i asked them this question that what was the basis and they agree that yes it was money and looks i said is that the sign of satyug or something true by nature it is satyug age of truth the basis should be truth now imagine a relationship where love has passed away respect has passed away now is it good to let it endure and suffer and continue or is it good to amicably say bye bye let's look for something truer and more beautiful if i ask this question what does your heart say say unconventional we are we are in an age when conventions are broken and we have to end up discovering a new way i won't use the word new convention but a new way this was the old way it doesn't matter even if the husband beats you you just stay on and mind you this not only in india it was all over the world let me tell you this all over the world in fact um, there were no voting rights for women for a long time violence all this was there but now we seek something better something higher so what is good if two people are unhappy with each other love has gone respect has gone should seek should they continue is no point most of the, most of us will say this is no point it's so true why because we are looking for something truer more beautiful more noble now the problem is that we have not yet found it this is the dilemma of present times that all right this is very good but what happens people go into one relationship after another so we have not found it yes we have not found it let's admit in all sincerity we have not found it but should we not search for it we should search for it and that's what we see in today's time that there is a seeking but not yet the finding can't blame people for seeking they are seeking if you ask people they'll say ultimately i'm seeking this i'm seeking for a truer something truer nobler beautiful but maybe i don't know how to find it and that's where spirituality comes in now when we turn to spiritually transmuting life or you know living it in the true way then the way is within outwards now what we are doing is we are seeking something ready made outside unfortunately in life 
the principle of evolution is everywhere there. That's where we make a mistake. There is no ready lunch except for maybe medical companies and McDonald's, fast food. But if you want to relish something, you know, it's, there is nothing ready-made. It has to be built. And it has to be built from within outwards. This is the basic thing that if I want that my relationship should be full of love and respect, I have one person with me whom I can change and that is within myself. So let me develop something which is truer in terms of love. And if I can do it, there is a chance, a greater chance that at some point of time, this thing within me which is woken up will hone in onto something which is truer and more beautiful because there is a law of affinity which operates. And if within me I am not awake and I am just expecting that suddenly something will happen and there will be the right partner, the best person with whom I will get married and happily here after, chances are that it may not happen. It may happen, that's a different story, but by and large, it may not happen. So, we begin to work within ourselves, not to get a good partner. That's not the reason for working within oneself, but just to improve ourselves. And that's where we discovered that as is my consciousness, so is my experience of life. This is a fundamental truth. If I live only in the physical consciousness, if I identify myself only with the body, what is called in... Indian thought is they Atma both. The body is the self. Then I will always be drawn only towards physical things. I'll appreciate physical beauty, but forget about the inner beauty. I can't see, I don't have the eyes for it. And when the physical beauty begins to wither off, my love will also begin to wither off because it's based on my, I mean, that's what is uh, me and myself. Then there is, man awakens from the physical to the vital self. He becomes aware that he is also has desires and ambitions and, and still higher up emotions. And then the relationship is based on that. Mutual satisfaction of desires and emotions and mutual fulfillment of ambitions. Like for instance... You want to have a lot of money, if she is also earning, both of them can pull in and there can be a satisfaction of ambition. So life is based on that, a mutual interest, so to say. When we become aware of an intellectual side of our life, then we also want, I am sorry for that, I forgot to switch it off, so give me just a moment. So when we go still further, then we discover that we are also having a mind a body of a thought self and we want not just emotional satisfaction but we also want intellectual companionship, isn't it? We want to speak about things, share thoughts, not just okay, I am emotionally fine and you make a good meal for me, that's not enough. There should be a sharing of thoughts because there are people who are, who are becoming more and more intellectualized and they need a companion. This, I'm, I'm speaking of need in a very general sense and they are happy if there is somebody with whom their thoughts can be uh, can share, they can share their thoughts and when we awake to something still deeper which is still you know not yet very common in mankind because still we confuse the mind with the spirit and an intellectualizing philosophical mind with a spiritually aspiring consciousness, the two are very different 
But when we wake up to a spiritual aspiration, then quite naturally we we may have the best everything, surroundings in our life. But still we need this spiritual aspiration to be shared together. The only criteria or an important criteria becomes that whether a person in our life, whether it be the wife or you know family members or everything, is this like a support, mutual support to each other's spiritual aspiration or is it something which obstructs? Is it going to help in each other's development inwardly or is it something which is going to come in the way? This becomes a bigger challenge. This is going to become a big challenge in time to come as we become more and more individualized and independent. Now this question long back was in a way resolved. You know the author of the Ishupanishad Yagnaval, his wife raises this question. And she asks him that you know actually he is going to go into the forest. Forest means on a silent meditation, alone. So he splits his property equally between two of his wives, Katyayani and Maitri. So Maitri asks him, he says, what will I do with the property? I want to have the wisdom which you have. So what is that wisdom? She says, why does one after all love the wife and love the child? So he gives a very beautiful answer. He says, Maitri, one does not love the wife for the sake of the wife, but for the sake of the self. Of course, it would apply to husband also. <laughs> One does not love the child for the sake of the child, but for the sake of the self. One does not love the country for the sake of the country, but for the sake of the self. Shobindo uses this uh, dialogue to give us a very deep insight that as is the self, so is the love. When we live in the ego self, our love will be egoistic. And when we live in the divine self, then love also becomes divine in its nature. And it's a very big challenge, looks very simple. Essentially, it's a transmutation within us or a graduation, if you like, to change from the ego self in which we are living to a deeper, higher self. And if we can do it, we'll find the way towards better and healthier or let me use the word spiritual relationship. Spiritual relationship is you know there is a popular notion about it and which is uh, a bit dangerous often you know sometimes astrologers will send you looking for a spiritual mate be very careful don't click because if you click you will be flooded with all kinds of forecast and prophecy and ultimately they will say if you pay up hundred dollars we will tell you all the ways spiritual mates are not made like that it is something much deeper much profound you know just as the word love we have profaned, you know, we have really spoiled it by using it so loosely and so cheaply. What really is the essence of love? We said, you know, we, there should be love in a relationship. What is, what is the essence of love? When do you know that you are in love with somebody? Let me ask this question. I am sure everybody has experienced love in one form or the other. When do we know that I am in love? Yes, very good. What does it mean? Can we qualify it a little more? Um, yes, please. Okay, there is a sense of unity which doesn't need words. Let me qualify. Yes, very good. Anything else? Essence. I am still trying to find the essence. This is very good. Unity and unconditional. What is that movement within us? Happiness. Love gives happiness. This is so true. 
If there is no happiness, something is missing. Love for anything. This is one of the things which I often use as a psychiatrist to treat. If you are not really happy with your life, love somebody and love something. It's perfect treatment. Yes, love gives happiness. It doesn't matter whether you receive love or you give love. You get joy by the fact that there is love within you. What else? Yes, it makes you feel light, joyous, unity, unconditional, content, very good. Still, something which is its, its core. What would you do for somebody? Yes. It makes life meaningful. Meaningful, very true. Without love, life is all lived dry, intellectual, scholarly, without a sense or purpose. If we love somebody, what do we want to do? Let me put a more practical question. We should not expect. That is the unconditional part. That we don't, we love by its nature. Somebody told me something very beautiful once. And uh, you know, sometimes people who appear as very uh, not much literate or educated can say some very wonderful things. So I had, now I am asking love. Once I had asked someone, true love. The person says this question has no meaning. Love is either true or it's not there. I said, my God, there is something so much to learn. <laughs> it's either true or it's not there. It's anything else, bargaining, compromise, whatever else, <laughs> calculation. It's not love. So let's use just the word in its you know purity. It's a movement of giving oneself. You know, it's the only, it's you feel like giving because there is a joy of giving. And as I said, you we, let's not look at it only as a man, woman. It can be towards a child, towards the divine. The need to give oneself, to give more and more and there is no end to it. That is the joy and beauty of love and which is actually the path towards union, as you said, without unity. Now the problem comes that if one person within one, this true love is awakened and not in the other person, it can create a great disequilibrium. This is another kind of problem that we are facing. As I was walking out of my room, I remembered, you know, I had put some, somebody had gifted me some rose plants and tulsi and all that. Then I had a strange dilemma once. You know what happened suddenly in the rose plant after two or three flowers, Suddenly I saw the flowers have stopped coming and I saw that a tomato plant from God knows where has started growing with this rose plant. Now I was in a dilemma, what to do? My past socialist leanings said let both be there on the same pot. Let them grow together. The result, no roses, no tomatoes. I said fair enough, doesn't matter, at least they are together. They are living, surviving. And you know, their leaves are there, so what? And then I realized that no, you are stopping the fulfillment of both. You have stunted their growth. You are not helping it. So from socialism, I had to move towards individualism. Okay, I can provide separate pots. Khalil Gibran, let there be spaces in your togetherness. Let them grow separately. And grow tomato to be a tomato and rose to be a rose. 
so sometimes in life this problem comes up where one person within one there is a true consciousness which has been touched i am not saying to live always in that it's a big cry but it has been touched and there is a need to give oneself and there is something true and beautiful which has blossomed but the recipient is not ready or the partner is not ready to put it this way now what do you do in that case that case you have to see the nature of relationship will begin to change it is bound to undergo an orientation and a change maybe even there we have to be very careful that's why when we use a, this term like spiritual relationship we have to be very careful it's not with anybody and everybody that there can be a spiritual partnership if there is this gap between a rose and a tomato i'm not saying tomato is not good tomato is wonderful much more useful than a rose rose creates beauty tomato creates health antioxidant so they both have their own beauty and they both have their own you know fullness but when you mix a rose and a tomato though both are red in color it's not good for either of them so it's so important that when we are on the spiritual life when shubhendu was asked this question about spiritual mate and you know spiritual marriages he said if you want to take to spiritual life think 50 times before marriages and he he said yes one in 50 or one in 100 you may get the right person in which case you will mutually benefit in india this is the concept of shakti you will mutually grow wonderfully grow they will feed each other's aspiration and there will be a joyous growth and it's wonderful to happen incidentally most of the rishis they were all married and there was a support of mutual aspiration but 49 times out of 50 or 99 times of 100 there is a possibility of ruin because there may be a throwing up of smoke on the spiritual fire in which case it is better to prefer solitude rather than just carry on so in spiritual life we often have this question many of the you know people ask this question why did buddha walk away what kind of spiritual man is he he boy he left his wife and daughter as if buddha you know was so insensitive on the contrary buddha is a supremely sensitive being he is not just worried about them he is worried about everybody's suffering and i was very touched that he walked away at night because it would have been very difficult to walk away in the morning it would have inflicted so much pain surely he must have had many discussions that look i am this aspiration is growing within me what do i do what do i do and then eventually a time came when he had to walk away he had to discover and after that he comes back and comes back and his wife is one of the first person he initiates the nature of relationship changes and yet they are husband and wife so to say so what i mean is that they should be a lot of plasticity in evolution evolution is not a fixed thing and so when we talk about institutions it takes away that plasticity this is very important because say marriages as an institutions are dying today why because they take away this plasticity from relationship if you are married you become bound if a lady wants to leave is a huge problem because you have to go to the court you have to go to you have to go through so much falsehood but supposing there is no legal document of marriage and you live together 
because you love and respect each other when the love and respect goes away what do you do simply say okay i think i need to have my own solitude just move towards the future now is it uh, it may be sounding bit shocking you know living in is more spiritual than marriage marriage is supposed to have been <laughs> someone asked this to sri arbindo that is there laughter in the kingdom of heaven he said yes there is lot of laughter in the kingdom of heaven but there are no marriages there <laughs> marriage as an institution it's kind of become redundant for this very reason because as an institution it no more supports the intense growth of the individual flame now humanity is going through a transition point and it is finding its own new ways it will experiment so we should not be worried mankind evolves like that so all our institutions if we may use the word have to become evolutionary have to become more plastic for instance if we obviously there will be some kind of marriage legal document or something for whatever reason if you have to travel abroad if you have to have children so it should be made very simple that if you are not happy with each other you may go apart this should be because this will open up doors to an evolutionary possibility if we don't have that mankind will be it will be like tomato and rose together which is not a healthy thing for either of them and as a psychiatrist i have seen people come together both who are living together and those who have separated and i have seen sometimes is very good for both when they walk away they both blossom it's beautiful and they come back and say that you know it's good whatever be the initial pain or challenges or difficulties they eventually blossom so we should not make an institution as sacred we should make the essence as sacred what is the essence love what is the institution all that you know paraphernalia associated with it all the big tamasha the big fat indian wedding the big tamasha that goes around then once we make get that essence then we can allow this essence to develop spread far and wide and include everything in a relationship build the relationship on a more truer basis it still has to be built there will be no ready made partners but if we have the essence right center right then there is a possibility of it spreading and coming together on various planes and that's what i mean just as a background i thought we can share i just want to share a small passage because you know this want of time then we can have questions um there are two conditions one is mother gave a message for it's not it was not meant for marriage it was meant for uh, when she was asked about oral she said that well uh, if two people love each other they can live together she said in 1960s late can you imagine this become the norm now becoming the norm so the person of course those were days when there was still tradition around and they were really shocked said mother please qualify this people won't understand so she gave a wonderful message which unfortunately now has come as you know message for marriage actually it was not written for marriage it was written for two people who love each other and want to stay together so what should be that true basis of companionship but then now it is often given as mar- message for marriage when two people are married uh, in the ashram context 
and I'll first read this message and before this the condition that is needed to arrive here. And she says to unite your physical lives, your material interests, <coughs> to become partners in order to face together the difficulties and successes, the defeats and victories of life. That is the very foundation of marriage. But you already know that it is not enough. It's not enough to have that. To be united in your sensations, to have the same aesthetic tastes and enjoyments, to be moved in common by the same things, one through the other and one for the other. Look at the beauty of the writing. One through the other. Sometimes we are blind to some aspect of nature and the other partner says, Oh, see, it's so beautiful. Ah, yes. So you become your eyes. And one for the other. So that's the beauty of it. That is good, that is necessary, but it is not enough. To be one in your deeper feelings, to keep a mutual affection and tenderness that never vary, in spite of all the blows of life and can withstand every weariness and irritation and disappointment. To be always and on every occasion happy, extremely happy, to be together, to find in every circumstance tranquility, peace and joy in each other, that is good, that is very good, that is indispensable, but it is not enough. To unite your minds, to harmonize your thoughts and make them complementary. Complementary here, it's not same thoughts. It's one person has certain thoughts, there is another side of it and the other person complements it. Normally, uh, women are considered to be the executive power. So one may have idea, the other person has executive power. And if the two can come together, it can make a great difference. You know, one classic example is the Sajan's father. Kumayu or Jahangir, I think. Anybody remembers the name? I know the name of the wife, Nurjahan. So Nurjahan was his 20th wife. But she was the one who was really not just talented, she was a great, she was mystic in, in her core. And by this time, this man, the emperor, he had got used to taking afim and, you know, opium and alcohol. But he was a man, he had his ideas, but he could not execute. So in the court, the two would sit together. And every time a problem came, he would look towards his wife. And she would give a decision and that would be the final. That's how the empire could be saved and survive. So, complementarity of thoughts. It's not always that it will be me and me alone. Also you. You give another side which I am not able to see. And I am giving one side which perhaps you are not able to see. And let's find a synthesis. So, together. To share your intellectual preoccupations and discoveries. In short, to make your sphere of mental activity identical. How to make it? She gives the means through a widening and enrichment acquired by both at once. That is good. That is absolutely necessary. But it is not enough. So, you know, share. Each other shares what one has discovered. And then they enrich each other. Maybe somebody has learned the art of gardening and the other person has read a deeply philosophical book and share and grow mutually. 
So what is the secret? Now she comes to the secret. Beyond all that, in the depths, at the center, beyond the body, the sensations, the heart, the mind, at the summit of the being, there is a supreme truth of being, an eternal light, independent of all these circumstances of birth, country, environment, education. So if you want to discover it, we have to be free of all these trappings that the mother beautifully describes in Discovery of the Soul. As long as we have tied ourselves and identified ourselves to my you know, family of origin, my surname, my language, my customs, I cannot really find that which unites with my own soul. Because I, I cannot even discover my soul. One has to be free from these trappings. So that's another good thing which is happening nowadays that New York and New Delhi are coming together uh, in more ways than Facebook. Okay, and there's something very nice because all these taboos and you know marriages rigidly within a certain boundary, all that is disappearing. That is the origin, cause and master of our spiritual development. It is that which gives a permanent direction to our lives. It is that which determines our destinies. It is in the consciousness of that that you must unite. You see how difficult marriages as an institution have become. They won't allow, at least within the Indian context, very difficult. You must have many things matching right from, you know, your religion, your caste and all these things. But they become a barrier. There was a purpose why these things were happening at one point of time. And let's not touch upon that. There was a purpose. But now we live in a different age. To be one in aspiration and ascension. To move forward at the same pace, on the same spiritual path, that is the secret of a lasting union. So if you really want to discover something outside us, you must first discover something within us. What is my path? What is my goal? Now once we discover, it's more likely than not that I'll find somebody walking on the same path towards the same goal. But if I don't know my path, if I am all the time going from this uh, lane to the other lane, you know, there are people who are always dissatisfied in this way, vitally. They are jumping from one place to another. So wherever they find one person, they become partners, holding hands. Then this fellow decides, no, 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 I have actually, that mall is more interesting, that street is more interesting. And then you go to that street, you leave this, you go there, and then you make another friend. That's not the way. First, when we discover our own path, our own goal, something within us that transcends all these barriers, then we are likely to encounter someone walking that way towards the same goal. But to arrive at that, I think two things are needed in both man and woman. Shobindo was asked, what is the condition for getting one's Shakti? In India, the female partner is called Shakti. He said, I can tell you, but you won't be able to do it. When some eager disciple was asking, he said, still tell me please. So he said, you have to be free from all desire, especially the desire for sexual union. Now most people will find a zero out of hundred, that very first step. In Tantra, they actually try this. That's, that was the whole basis of the whole uh, Tantric system. One side of Tantra, let's not reduce Tantra to only this. 
the left hand tantra. And, but naturally the condition was very difficult and so it fell and we know how it ruined itself. But three things that Shurabindu mother says that which you know both men and women must liberate themselves from this fundamental grip of ignorance. Then only they can discover both beauty within, love within and love outside. And so she says, no law can liberate women unless they liberate themselves. What makes them slaves is attraction toward the male and his strength, desire for home life and its security, attachment to motherhood. If they get free from these three slaveries, they will truly be the equal of men. But then she corrects, men also have three slaveries. So both have something to do. If you really want to really, you know, when two halves unite, they have no choice but to unite as incomplete beings. But when two who are themselves rounded, perfect, when they unite, that is beauty, that is love. Love is not dependency. It's not emotional hunger. It's not sexual desire. It is something else. It's not that I lack this, therefore I love somebody. Because the other person will give me something. Love is about giving oneself. And when two people are full and complete within themselves, independently complete, and yet they come together, then that is the beauty of love. So she says, men also have three slaveries. One, spirit of possession, attachment to power and domination. Desire for sexual relation with women. Attachment to the small comforts of married life. If they get rid of these three slaveries, they can truly become the equal of women. So mother makes it complete. So it's a long journey. We have a long way to go. But at least I feel the present generation is taking the first infant steps. And they'll make mistakes. Doesn't matter. All big things start like that. An infant begins to walk by falling. But eventually they'll find the new way. One thing is for sure that the old way has become redundant. And that's why it's breaking down all over the world. All over the world. And that is marriage as an institution, social institution, with religious sanction, it's gone. And it's good it is gone. Now is the age of experimentation and exploration. Next come will be the age of fulfillment. So many mistakes and blunders will be there, but eventually mankind will find track where as we grow spiritually, become more conscious, then only we can recognize the spiritual aspiration and come together, join hands in a mutual togetherness towards the same goal on the same path. So this is the background. Now, any comments, suggestions, revelations, experiences, questions? Please feel free. It's a Freedom is the first condition for any growth. Sir, um, not really a pop question I have to. So, with the spiritual aim of uh, we talk about relationships, um, and then about uh, birthing a you know a conscious population, how would we connect that? You know, you say marriage as an institution, you know, it is if it, it is redundant, it should be. It is being discussed. How do we, how do we uh, connect this to the uh, people are getting together because they, uh, they find that 
with each other and then to bring the conscious population. So you, uh, it's basically the practice of marriage is not really required. If there is love and respect, if there is truth inside, you don't need it. And if it is not there, then just an institution is meaningless. You see, that's the catch. If there is love and truth inside, or let's let me put it, truth in the love, there is not needed because they love each other, they will not leave each other. Isn't it? When you really love somebody, why would you leave? Why would you simply, you know... Uh, Go here and there simply because, you know, your vital needs satisfaction. You love. That love is the biggest hold. Strength. Love is a great strength. And that's why the best relationships that last are those based on trust. You know why? This is the reason. Because you trust your love. It's not that you trust the man. <laughs> you trust your love. And you know it has the power. And however far he may go, he'll come back. Because your love is so powerful. Even in marriage, within the boundaries. That's why they say that some of the best couples are those which have gone through all the vicissitudes. And when I say all the vicissitudes, I mean all the vicissitudes. Which includes extramarital affairs. And yet they hold on. Not out of compulsion. Because they have discovered true love. So marriage reaches a point where it goes beyond all this. It's not just a question of you know physical satisfaction or an emotional hunger. No. It is something true, like a soothing stream, which will always endure. And strangely, each such upheaval makes them come closer and closer. But it needs tremendous patience and perseverance and working upon oneself. Therefore, you know, which is a different thing. That is still to be discovered. And that is regardless of marriage. And if that is basis is not there, let's put it like that. Then what is the point? Just to drag on a relationship. The big challenge is children. But I must tell you that nature is already providing for that. Children nowadays are becoming more and more independent of their parents very fast. So nature is taking care of that. See nature, whatever happens, so many things happen. Coming together, moving away, all kinds of things happen. Without any legal or social binding, it's something else which from within binds. Elephants can form families. They can remain, they, you know, there are elephants which remain faithful to their partner for all life. Strange. How is, how does it happen? There are other animals also. I am forgetting the name right now, but uh, there are some animals also. Nature has already done this experiment. Possibly dolphins. Who remain faithful to their partners throughout? Yes, dolphin is the second one. You have a partner, they will remain faithful, regardless of anything. So even animal can do it. <laughs> but nobody tells a dolphin that, look, you know, there is a legal patta and, you know, you have the social issues. No, it's something which is... So we should develop that capacity. Now, what happens, The I'll tell you the problem of an institutionalizing things. It many times thwarts the real natural growth. growth. Because now you have an external frame, which is binding to people. Now when you have a frame, they fall back upon the frame. Every time there are issues, you fall back upon the frame. So you never really grow up with it. It's like the same thing like typical classroom education. It is meant to facilitate the growth, it also thwarts the growth. 
because you have the frame within which things are happening so while frames i am not saying frames can be straight away done away with when mother was asked do you think marriage is um, still a, should uh, should carry on or something like that she said for those who still need it she has used the word so there are those who need frames but we should at least allow humanity a portion of humanity which has gone past the need for frames and we should not say that frames are the best well there are those who have gone past the need of frames and they will go past the need of frames they will remain responsible to each other respect each other regardless of any legal or other binding and that is something very beautiful i'm sure you know it's much more touching but in the process there will be experiment there will be problems issues sufferings evolution is like that unfortunately there will be some bad apples <laughs> but it will be evolution this is status which is stasis which is not good it becomes petrified and you know stifles stifles the soul of love yes how would you describe a healthy sexual relationship the same thing if i have i may use the word based on mutual respect and self giving it should be an extension of an act of love from within this is very clear that if it is just a sexual relationship with not an engagement of all the other parts then obviously we know it's it's something i won't use the word animals animals are better off but it's a perversion that you know if there is just sexual relationship for the say sex for the sake of sex let's put it like this with nothing deeper inside whereas if there is a deeper love as we have just said a deeper love at any level let me not define it but at least there is a touch of love upon the life and then this love as a natural extension engages because we are still very physical beings untransformed physical beings and to transcend sexuality and still have physical relation is very difficult but it's possible so at least it should be a natural extension of love from within that is the minimum and sex itself is undergoing transformation and it will happen and a time will come when human beings will not need the crude ways to get pleasure and joy of togetherness physically perhaps an embrace a look into the eye and a gentle kiss will be enough you know there is a very nice movie which had come cocoon long back steven spielberg i know you've seen that part two parts i'm talking of first part where they show that how they relate with each other they don't even physically touch each other but just being close they take such a joy and that energy field comes together and combines and something new is precipitated in the physical you know this is described incidentally in a, in shiv purana because shiva has a child and shiva is a yogi shiva is a sanyasi and shiva is a grahast so how did he have a child so the shiv puran describes very beautifully how the two together go into a cave and they sit in meditation can you imagine and the energies come together mutually intense energy they are joined together by an act of love and this intense energy precipitates and becomes the baby who is called kartikeya that's the birth of kartikeya immortalized in you know kalidas poem and 
So surely mankind will find occult processes, occult ways, see the same pleasure. After all, why do people engage in sexual relationship? Because of a certain pleasure that the body gets. When they discover ways and means of the same pleasure without the crude process. I use the word crude because at the bottom of it, it not because of any moral reasons. We should get rid of these moral notions which uh, don't help us to find the truth. But simply because the, the process of sexual uh, relationship which gives pleasure... Uh, soon thereafter there is a period of exhaustion after the pleasure followed by a dip into the inconscient and I can tell you this is an observation which I made and people can make this their own observation it is meant to actually enhance love but very often relationships remain very good as long as this is not coming I am speaking of very you know facts so age old advice which was given that don't engage in this unless you are married. There was some truth in it. The moment you start engaging in frank sexual relation, very soon the vital either gets, you know, all kinds of thoughts, jealousies, possessiveness, need to control, dominate. All this begins to come in from somewhere. God knows where. Or rather God definitely knows from the inconscient. It opens the door to the inconscient. That's why it is crude, not because of moral things. Spirituality and morality are two very different things. One can be married and never have sexual relation and be the best of partners. So, all possibilities are there. A man and a woman can live together all their life and lead a beautifully and loved and harmonious life without engaging in the cruder process. Yet they can derive physical satisfaction something similar or maybe even more because it will endure. What happens in normal sexual relationship? Because it's based on the lower vital. It doesn't endure. The charm wears off. Then what happens with the lower vital? It seeks novelty for its own sake. And people stray because they are seeking a novelty. Very unfortunate. Particularly men. And that destroys it. Whereas if it's based on something deeper, it will endure. So sex itself will undergo a change, a transmutation, so to say, as mankind evolves. Maybe 100 years or 50 years. Hopefully less. Any other question? Then there will be problems. <laughs> See, if you want to experience, if you want to experience the pure energy of love, I'm talking about purest form. Ganges from Gomuk, not Ganga Sagar. <laughs> then the pure energy of love is only self-giving. There is no expectation in it. And once you experience it, you know the difference. And uh, expectation mixes in because man is unfortunately not just the soul. He has vital also, untransformed, unregenerated, like sex mixes in love. So similarly this, uh, sex of this kind, I am not talking of a transmuted sexuality. So similarly there is a um, pure energy of love which is only about self-giving. You find it in the divine, 
you find it also in the guru the true guru not gurus who are eyeing for money and things which you can give you find it also in human mothers animal mothers to an extent some touch of that energy that's why all these three are often regarded as close to each other after god it's guru and who can really come closest to god in human manifestation of love mothers but still they have this expectation that at least the child should recognize acknowledge once in a while say mama you are so nice <laughs> but uh, even that expect mother's love is very unconditional so but a point comes when you have to get rid of it because it's a mixture we have to understand the mixture which is after all what is this mixture doing making us sad expectation brings sadness so pure love brings joy so we have to remove the uh, wheat and the chaff grain and the chaff separate them if you keep the grain then it's something solid you know like it's the same thing like gold sieving gold is mixed with mud when you dig it out so it's gold but its value is not that much so you have to pass it through water through ultimately the purifying flame then it is ready for being becoming an ornament so too with the energy of love initially it will be full of expectation desires towards anybody let's say in a man woman relationship now if you want to transmute this energy practice make your love more and more unselfish it's a good opportunity leave aside the spiritual partner but it's a very good opportunity to transmute the energy of love within us and if we practice it rightly wherever our ego comes in we put it aside wherever our possessiveness domination comes in we put it aside and still keep loving then a time comes when we pass beyond the person beyond the personal love to the principle of love which is the divine love and then strangely suddenly this transmuted energy of love spreads becomes universal and i am telling you a real experience it's not something theoretical but you have to go through the passage wherein you may feel frustrated feel low what is this life why me <laughs> not realizing everybody is in the same boat <laughs> don't worry <laughs> but if you can do it it's 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 really like purification it's painful it's like a test of fire but at the end of you have to become much wider and i often give this example or rather make this poser would you continue to love your partner even if the partner loved somebody else big question isn't it so let me answer it if you can it's true love sir please the trust is broken so doesn't matter trust is broken from which side yes the trust within yourself is not broken and you are not loving in that purely that dimension you are loving in something much deeper that is holding the relationship it depends on yourself no it depends on yourself so this is called unconditional yes yeah there you are <laughs> you got it <laughs> that's it see you said it very rightly this is called unconditional love very difficult i am not saying it is easy but we are all here to do difficult things it's very easy when we are in love yes but it doesn't last you are very true actually the first touch of love is like that but unfortunately other parts come in and depending on the person development sooner or later the 
desire will come in expectation will come in all this will come in and start putting lot of dust and so the gold becomes mixed with all the things but if there is the touch of true love in the beginning i am using now the word true love that first touch then it will endure through it should endure through it will endure a hundred wounds hundred things because it's that touch is there that's why uh, love marriages despite all their problems many of them are widely based still they are better experiments than arranged marriages because there is a possibility there of something truer passing through the human nature and enduring ultimately that is the route mankind will take gone are the days of marriage.com and parents.com Yes, please. When you're leaving a partnership, you're leaving more than just that partner. You're leaving the family or the society or your environment as well. How does one know when they're living in that divine love or towards their own truth, no matter how true and how devoted they are to that? How do they accept or, I guess, handle the suffering of not only that one person but the ripple effect? that does go up even if you know that that truth is perhaps beyond their ignorance very true so what we do in those circumstances is first of all we don't sacrifice the higher for the lower that's the principle so we continue with this aspiration and this growth which means one of the two things will happen either because of the pressure that you will generate on the society and environment it will resist because it doesn't understand you anymore or it will begin to transmute one of the two things will happen you don't have to do anything but continue growing inside if it goes still further either circumstances or situations will be created where there may be a tomato and rose separation okay or there may be a rose a tomato transmuting into a rose or mutually suffusing each other the second is rarer particularly in certain societies or certain families but it's possible it's possible that by our growth inside we don't have to worry about you know what people are thinking not thinking that's obvious because as long as we know that we are being true to ourselves and it's not just a facade and that's a take baseline then we have to continue growing in the direction shown to us because that's our truth first truth fundamental truth that cannot be sacrificed no relationship can become more sacred than this truth given to us as we grow either as i said the old will drop off and a new thing may or may not enter if it enters you have to welcome it receive it and move on it means pain and suffering but has evolution ever taken place without pain and suffering pain and suffering in fact are very often doors to evolution even pain which not one should not do something to inflict pain it's understood but pain and suffering may come in the process it may open the doors for others too because they go through it they will be forced to think at some point it may help like buddha's walking away mira's walking away another example in indian thought she had this dilemma what does she do she walked away when she walked away eventually it helped the the whole you know today the whole city has 
developed around Mira and not around the king who you know because that impact that that you know you bring into the environment it's like a vacuum which is created and there are forces which rush in there so if separated then so be it Yes, sacrifice the lower for the higher and whatever is sacred is more important. And all evolution will involve it. At some point the law of sacrifice will intervene in a very uh, terrible way. Normally it doesn't intervene in a terrible way. Sacrifice is the law of life, all creation, all the time it's happening. But sometime when you have to take a leap, it may intervene in a very terrible way and we have to accept the law that's why he said it's not easy but then we are not here to do easy things what the what's the fun in doing easy things <laughs>